Okay, so so again, this morning we're we're talking about we were discussing, and God wants us to uh, wants to bring that out to all of us. We were discussing God's original plan, in His eternal mind. So, if anything is original and it had a start with God, will God accomplish it? Yes, because it's His thought, His will, His word, His work. So He has to accomplish it, right? So this plan, even before any angel, which is a host, he created a host of angels, and they were created all at once. And then he created, obviously, a, by forming Adam from the dust of the ground in Genesis 2 and verse 7, he created through him a whole race of people. So the difference between a host and a race is the angels in Matthew 22 and verse 30 and 31, they don't procreate. They're created all at once. And the Bible says you can't number them. A human race procreates. And so before any angel or before any man was created, did God foresee all of this in its complete entirety? (laughs) And did he have a plan based upon that? The fact of the matter is, is he did. So we were talking this morning about God's original plan, that that began with him. So So then we were thinking about, we were thinking about, the plan for man, okay? And of course he had a plan, of course he had a, had a plan uh, for the angels. And, and those are brought out in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, Psalm 104 and verse 4. And we see in Revelations 4 and verse 6, and in Hebrews 13, verse 2, the plan for angels. So the angels were formed in God's plan and created. We see the seraphims, they're called the burners, and they, were, they had to do with the holiness around God's throne. And then the cherubim, so the seraphim were six-winged angels, and the cherubim were four-winged angels. And they had to do with the mercy seat, and you can see that in Exodus 25, 17-22. He had a plan for the angels. He had an original. Then we're talking about, and we know in the angelic conflict there was a fall, again, based upon Isaiah 14, uh, 9 to 17, and based upon Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, and we can start in verse 15 and go right down through. That's the plan that God had for the angels, and he created them with free will. They had the ability to choose. Their choice was that one time in eternity where the tale of Satan in Revelations 12 and verse 4, the, the dragon drew a third of the stars of heaven, and those are the angels that, he, that followed him in his rebellion against God, again, which is brought out in Ezekiel 28, 15 through uh, verse 15 down through with the other scriptures that we mentioned. So, God knowing that, knowing, declaring the end from the beginning in Isaiah 46 and verse 10, he declares all his works, his works, notice that, they're his works, has to do with his plan, regardless of the fall of angels, regardless of the fall of humankind, God still has a plan, may grieve him, 
to the fall of man in Genesis 6 verse 5 and in Genesis 8 and verse 21 in the grieving and where it says repent it didn't change God's mind it didn't affect his plan because before anyone any angel or man was created there was God and his plan see so he predetermined it not against someone's will not against their will but allowing their will to be submitted to him so the performance of God's plan could be worked out in and through them, angels and man. But So now we were talking about the original plan of the original plan that God had for mankind. We were saying, so what it was his original plan. So if we look, even in Genesis, and Genesis is the beginning, and when it's, it's, it's Bereshith, uh, Bereshit in, in the Hebrew, the beginning, and just means the beginning. The beginning of what? Time. That's when time began. Because eternity is. <laughs> it just is. And, and God has, and God is eternal life. And it's the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, long E. And he had no beginning and he'll have no end. <laughs> so, we were born with everlasting life. We had a beginning, but we won't have an end. Unfortunately, for those that believe in annihilationism, that a certain amount of those that aren't in Christ and don't have eternal life will be annihilated, and the Bible completely teaches against that. So that's the difference between eternal life, Zoe, and everlasting life. Okay, now, so back in Genesis, the first chapter, where time began, and God was... There was, a, there was an angelic conflict, and we won't go into that right now, like, but at some point in the future we can, if God desires that. But between Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and verse 2, something happened, because God, in the beginning, God created the, the earth, okay, the world, the earth. And then verse 2, it says, and the earth was without form and void. God would never create anything like that. When you study those words, it doesn't just mean like the moon in that sense, if we look at it, it's just kind of like void. It's just, it's there, it's created. It doesn't say that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Something happened to create the earth to be a chaos. And, Gen and Jeremiah 4 and verse 23 and other scriptures go into that. But there wasn't, that was the angelic conflict that happened. But from verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1 to verse 31, we see God recreating and making that particular Garden of Eden and the earth habitable for the man that he was going to create. So when he finished recreating the earth, and notice that, recreating it, okay, it had a bad start, something happened, there was a rebellion, so he had to recreate it and form it and make it habitable for man. Because I believe through the angelic conflict and Lucifer, who became Satan, lost dominion over that. I believe that was part of what God had for him and what Christ won back ultimately and he will have for the millennial reign and for all eternity. But getting back to that, when God finished that work, his work, notice it was his work. That man's not created yet. It's all his work. But he was performing for, before Adam was created. Then he said in 131 of Genesis, all, he looked at all his work and it was good. Right? It was good. Why was it good? 
because the good was only in God who created it. Okay? Good is only in God. We know that based upon Matthew 19, verses 17 and 18. And we know that in Luke uh, 19, 18, verses uh, 19. At 17, 18, and 19 in Luke the 18th chapter. And we also know because it's God's nature in Exodus 34 and verse 6, good, goodness is his nature. And we know that based upon also working out, our, working out our salvation in us in Romans 8 verse 28. All things work together for the good. The good there is agathos. It's God's divine good. Only him. So God created it. The earth made it habitable, habitable for man. Then he said it was good, his work. Then in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, on, on, there were six days of creation, six days it, it took him to recreate it in his timing, in his timing, and it's very specific. He recreated it in six days. Right? Where did he create man? He created Adam on the sixth day. But on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. It says that in Genesis 2, 1 and 2. That's where uh, the, the Hebrews get, get their word and the word of God says it's, it's a Sabbath or Sabbath, a place of rest. God rests. Where does God rest? God rests in his works that he accomplished. Where do we rest? In what God's accomplished. So we can see that. So then he created in Genesis 2, verse 7, he, he created... Uh, he created Adam from the dust of the ground in Genesis 2, verse 8. He formed him from the dust of the ground. That's why we need minerals and vitamins from the earth where the plants and everything else grows. Well, we need it. And so he recreated him. And then he breathed into him, it says in the Hebrew, the breath of lives, procreation. Procreation, the breath of lives. So, now we're going to go back. So, was that... The original plan of God for mankind. That would be the question. And was it? Nope, because in Revelation 13, verse 8, the Lamb was slain, listen to this one, before the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was even created. That was God's plan. Because he foresaw the eruption and interruption of sin that would bring death, a separation between God and man. So he always had man in his mind. But who was the man in the perfection of God's plan and the fulfillment of it, his word and his will, who was that? It was the Lamb, Christ, the Lamb who would put on Humanity in John 1 and verse 14. He would go out and not leaving from his deeds. You can't separate God from God. There's no separation. They're one. And that's in John 1 verses 1 and 2. But for him to come out and to be united with man, he had to put on humanity. And that's where he said he tabernacled. So the tab we know, and that's in John 1 verse 14. When, he, when the word was made Flesh, not became agoneo, but was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. 
tabernacle, the very presence of God, like the tabernacle in Numbers, the fourth chapter, was a type of the presence of God. And just like the Jews with their temple, they go there to worship. Why? Because that's where the presence of God is. Where do we worship God? Who's the mediator in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5? There's one mediator. And uh, there's only one name in Acts 4 verse 12 where, where we must be saved. And that name in Isaiah 45 and verse 23 and Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 is the name Christ Jesus. And that's why when Jesus is speaking about himself to the church, first he was speaking to John the Apostle when he was on um, the Isle of Patmos, a saint, an insane asylum for the most criminally hardened evil criminals you could think of. And John is there, banished there by the emperor who tried to boil him alive three different times to kill him and just sent him to, to, to this insane asylum to get rid of him. And that's when God opened up his eyes to, to the book of Revelations, which is, a, which is a treatise. It's not so much an epistle as it is a treatise. And so he brought him and, he, and, and then he sees the picture. He sees the picture and he has the revelation of Christ. Right? And you see that crystal clear uh, in that. And so we go, we go back, and so what, what do we see there? Okay, it all has to do with Christ. It all has to do with him. And, and when we look at those uh, scriptures and understand them and, pre, and pre-ponder all these scriptures to have that full thought about God was what is his original plan? Because in Hebrews 4 and verse 3, the works were finished from where? From before the foundation of the earth, it says. Well, so what would that be? If the earth that was recreated was the beginning of time in Genesis, because the Genesis, the word uh, Bereshit in the Hebrew is beginnings. Time. Time. Then something happened in eternity, did it not? And that was the plan of God. And his original plan was only, there was only one, one through which God could work and fulfill his word, his will, and the performance of his plan. And who would that have been? Could only be Christ the Son who came out and put on humanity. So all the types and all the prophecies, they go into that fact that Christ is the fulfillment of every prophecy and every single type in the Old Covenant which is very rich with, with truth that we have. And that's why we need to, we need to get to know uh, the Old Testament or we know the Old Covenant or those, the, the very witness of God's thoughts revealed in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. That's what makes it so very vital for us to have a full understanding. Because in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, it says, all scripture, not just the epistles that, God, that the heavenly Christ gave to the Apostle Paul for us as his church. It's not, just not saying that at all. It's not limited to that. Because all scripture, it says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, is given by the inspiration of God. It's breathing out. It's God's breath. So everything in that sense, everything in that sense had its beginning in God. 
who was, who was, he had, God himself had no beginning and he'll have no end. He was the creator. He is in create. He didn't start to be. Angels and men did. <laughs> he always is. So it's like eternal is. It's a lot we have to trust God for that we could never try and figure out without him, without submitting our will to his word. Isn't that correct? But it's very necessary to understand the word in all its fullness. And, then, and, and so we can see the amazing love that God has for man. That's why in these particular scriptures, Psalm the 8th chapter, we say, uh, we can see it, Psalm 8 verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's his, his, name, his name speaks of his nature, his character, his essence, his person, and the work that he's accomplished. That's what name means. It reveals his character. So, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Of course, the creator, is, isn't he even above that that he's created. I mean, the house that the carpenter created. I mean, isn't he even above the house that he created because he created it? <laughs> Verse 2 of Psalm 8, uh, Psalm 8, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger. And that's, of course, Satan, right? When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, if you see Psalm 8, verse 3, you can correlate Psalm 19, 1 through 6, and go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verses 3 through 31 and look at God's creation. And that's why even it says in Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Phew, amazing. When I consider in Psalm 8, verse 3, the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, set in their proper place. What is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. Hands you have, you have put all things under his feet. And then it goes into all sheep and and all of God's creations and the beasts of the field, the creatures, the fowls of the air, fish and all. And then verse 9, to finish Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Was this original plan Adam? Is this referring to Adam in Psalm the 8th chapter? Isn't that interesting? Well, if I want to understand Psalm 8 and who actually fulfilled that and the one who actually fulfilled God's plan, now I have to turn to Hebrews, the second chapter. Do you see the old and the new, the new and the old? Isn't it wonderful how it works? The old covenant with the new covenant and the full understanding. So we can see again here in Hebrews, and you can read Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 through 14 to get the full correlation. But then you, you look at Hebrews, the second chapter, and, and go, down to, uh, go down to a verse 6 and, and, and look through the rest of the chapter. Then we can see these things. You don't have to look now, but just, just, just concentrate. Uh, so 
Here's Hebrews, the second chapter, and verses 6 uh, right through to 18 to understand Psalm, the eighth chapter, what we saw from verses in Psalm 8, verses 3 through 9. Here it is. But in a certain place, but one in a certain place testified. Who was the one that testified that, that gave the witness to that? Well, it's God, God the Father. So, but one in a certain place testified as the witness. Who makes the best witness? God himself. God himself. Who can tell you better about the house that he built from foundation to all the way through to the finished work? The one that built it. Give you the greatest witness. Here it is, but, in, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you have visited him? You made him a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that, for that, for in that he put all in subjection unto him, he left nothing that is not put unto him. But now we see not yet all things put unto him. But we see Jesus. Who do you think he was talking about? Who was his original plan? If it was going to work, if it was going to be fulfilled, if God's word and his will was to be accomplished and fulfilled, who could do that? And that's Christ. And that's why he put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14 and Philippians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7 and 8, 6 and 7 precisely. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Made a little lower than the angels. We see that crystal clear here, right? By, when it says for, no, it's by the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every single man. For it became him, this is what we were talking about with Mike yesterday, for it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain, the leader of their salvation, complete through sufferings, plural sufferings, for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are what? All of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. There's never any shame in Christ, never, for any of us. I mean, now, there is shame when we function outside of him, but it's not who we are, is it? We base that on 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, and thank God we have the form of a right image through the word in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. And so we see this again, saying, I will declare your name. What is his name? You're going to declare. Who was going to declare God's nature, his character and his essence and the work that he would accomplish through his son? Who's the only one that could declare that? Well, it's the word in John 1, 1. And who is the word? It's Christ who came out in John 1, 1 and put on humanity in 1 verse 14. How much does God love man? Amazing saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. This verse is so incredible to me because here's God, the Son of God, 
in virtue of who he is. He has first place. That's why we don't give him first place. We don't give him something he already has and is. <laughs> okay? He just desires every place in our life as those that are in him now, in his son. But when it says, I will declare your name unto my brethren, this is fulfilling Psalm 22. But to do that, he had to be crucified. And you can see that. First, he had to be forsaken in Psalm 22 and verse 1, which, which when he did put on humanity, finally, at the last three and a half years of his age, 33 and a half years of age, he was crucified. And that's why he cried out to fulfill Psalm 22 and verse 1 with Psalm 27, verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to be forsaken in his humanity. so that we could be one with him. It's just amazing to me. That's what God thinks of man. And we're going to see how the whole creative order was changed. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. You know what that's saying? That's saying for all eternity. And that's fulfilling Psalm 22, verse 22 here. In Hebrews 2 and verse 12. What that's teaching is, is that he's so, Christ is so identified with us, the God-man, and when God became man, he became a man forever. Now one of the angels bend low in 1 Peter 1, 12 and, and look in and are amazed at their creator who put on humanity. And they're learning, angels, learning things about their creator by him putting on his humanity and fulfilling God's plan to God's glory for the blessing of mankind and even the angels as they learn things about his nature. It's so incredible. But yet, he will join with us and united with us as one in perfect identification. And while we praise him, he's doing it with us. <laughs> he's praising God with us. For God's plan, because God made his humanity. He was always the son of God. God made his humanity. I mean, this is incredible to me. Saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise with you. In the midst of the church. Who's the church? He's joining with us. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. It's so amazing. And again, verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. Did he have to? Did he trust him implicitly and constantly in his, in his perfect, impeccable humanity, human nature, but still did he put his complete trust in his Father? Yeah, he did. He always did those things in John 8, verse 29, in Romans 15, verse 3. He always did those things that pleased him, and it pleases God when we trust him and when we depend upon him by faith for everything and don't allow our thoughts to mix with his pure thought and thereby being confused in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. So it says here again, and again, I, in Hebrews 2 verse 13, will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. And God gave him, all of us, the church. He gave it. Even those that were, were born prior to, to the cross, but all those types were fulfilling it. But in this specific, specific sense, it's talking about us in Christ. That God gave him as a reward all, uh, this whole new race of people, all us and him. 
he's given us. He gave him to the Son. You can see that in John 17. Read John 17, those 26 verses there. Okay? So, I and the children, in Hebrews 2, verse 13, which God has given me, for as much then as the children, if they were going to be children, are partakers of blood and flesh, and that's the proper order, blood and flesh, he also likewise took part of the same. Now, he bypassed the sin nature by having the human nature because it was something, it was the Holy Spirit, God, that moved on the 14-year-old peasant girl, Mary, in Luke 1 and verse 35, bypassed the fallen sin nature of the 23 reproductive chromosome genes of the male sperm because that's where it comes from blood. Blood, we have life in our physical bodies. In Leviticus 17, verse 11, the life of the flesh, the body is in the blood. The blood was bypassed. The baby's blood is separate from the mother, medically proven. And so he was bypassed, but he had a human nature. He had a human nature. He took part of the same. Human nature, not sin nature. Not the sin nature in Romans 5, verse 12 that was passed on. Okay? So he took part of the same with that blood and flesh that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, separating people forever from God, the power of death, the devil. That's what would happen in Genesis 3, 1 through 6, in, to humankind. So we know, was that God's original plan? To create man, Adam, innocent, and then to fall? Was that God's original plan? No, he never had a plan outside his son before any angel or any man or woman was ever created. So as we wrap it up this morning, in verse 15 of Hebrews 2, and deliver them. Who's them? All that would receive Christ in John 1 and verse 12. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Uh, why go back, right? Boy, we have to learn, don't we? <laughs> have all this in Christ? Go back to it again. Learn. Go back to it again. Learn. <laughs> oh, God, help us. Humble us, really. For truly, he took not on him the nature of angels. See that? He didn't take on the nature of angels. Look, you get into that other nonsense. In, in the epistle of Colossians, and you can see that in chapters 1 and 2, where angels, you know, somehow the presence of God was through all these angels which is complete and utter nonsense. Everything God did, he did through the man Christ Jesus. His son, the son of God, in virtue, uh, in virtue of who he is in his deity, then he became the son of man. So when you see the son of man in Psalm the 8th chapter and what we read here in Hebrews, he, Hebrews 2, who's the son of man do you think he's referring to? It's Christ. Because he became the son of man. Uh, through, through his accomplishment of his work, uh, fulfilling the will of the Father, and then going to the cross and, and propitiating him and dealing with all of our sins as our substitute to reconcile us to him. 
And so it says he didn't take on the nature of angels in Hebrews 2, verse 16, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now, did he take on Abraham? No, Abraham was fallen. He took on the seed of Abraham. That's Isaac. Did, did Abraham and Sarah create Isaac or was it a supernatural work of God? Because after all, <laughs> Abraham was 100 and Sarah you know, it was 99, <laughs> way past the age of procreating or doing the work that only God could accomplish. That's why it says he took on him the seed in type. He took on him in fulfilling the type, the type that Isaac was. We see that in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 8. The seed. He took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him, Christ. It meant everything to him to propitiate the Father first and foremost. To clean, to clean heaven and earth and Matthew 24 and verse 35 will pass away in, in terms of it being in, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13 reformed by fire. He said he would never baptize the earth again in water through a flood and that's why we have in Genesis 9 and verses 13 and 14 we have the rainbow. You see the rainbow? It's a 180, isn't it? But when Christ finished the work, he not only cleanses and changes the earth, but he cleans the heavens where the rebellion took place, the angelic conflict. We see that in Job 15, verse 15. The heavens are not clean in this sight because something happened there. But he deals with it. And so by the time you get to Revelations, uh, to uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 3, there's a throne. And what is around the throne? That's it's Revelations 4 and verse 3, I should say, not Hebrews. What's around the throne? A circular rainbow, emerald in color, because he's united the heaven and the earth. And what this is bringing out here in the scriptures is in Hebrews 2 and verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God and to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For, for in that he himself has suffered being tested, not tempted. Got to get the right translations and we need the right original languages. Tested. He is able also to succor them that are tempted. See how it makes sense? So what is God's original plan? Before anything was even created. What is his original plan? Who was? Who Did he have another way to do anything that he would accomplish for all eternity in the heavens and on the earth outside of his son? Does he need us to do anything? Does he need any legalism? Any works? Because the only place we could do that outside of Christ is in the flesh. And in an unsaved, it's fallen and ruined. Can't change it. God couldn't change Adam. So he had to have his son come and crucify him in his son and get brand new life. And did you see, did you see that what happened even in Genesis, the first chapter in the types, the original creation through the fall, Adam, through a fall, entered into a chaotic and confused state. 
He had to recreate him, just like he had to recreate the earth. And he recreated us in our precious Savior. Our precious Savior. That's God's original plan. His original plan is brought out again in Revelations 13 and verse 8. And in Hebrews 4 and verse 3, the works were finished. And that's why the throne, again, is completely finished. And we see that in Hebrews 2.17. And we see it in Revelations 4 verse 3. Now it's one complete circle. He's united heaven and earth. And in in Revelations 4 and verse 3 in the type. <laughs> so in one... In the rainbow, he had to baptize the, baptize the, the earth in a flood, baptize it so new life could come out of it. Then again, he has to prepare the earth for all eternity with fire, the fire of his holiness. Fire, that's what that speaks of, his holiness. And it consumes anything that's, that's outside of itself. And that's why at the Bema seat, in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, and in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, if there was wood, hay, and stubble in this, when we meet him, it's consumed, the fire of his holiness. But what does the fire of his holiness bring out in us about who Christ is in us and who we are in him? Gold, silver, and precious stones. That's what fire does, just purifies it, brings out the purity. And that's why in Titus 1 and verse 15, and based upon Philippians 4 and verse 8, Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. We see him in all our, in the purity of who he is in us and who we are in him. And that's why we're to think, um, we're to think thoughts that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good virtue. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, we're to think on these things. So that's God's original plan. So... Uh, is there any questions or comments before we close? Yes. You're saying at the BBC, if there was any hay, stubble, or wood, wood, hay, or stubble. Yeah. What is that in representation? It represents wood is our humanity. Okay. Eh? Hay is all emotional stuff. When we don't have proper thoughts, we have bad thoughts. What do we have? Bad emotions. We can flare up in a second, can't we? So angry, ah, flare up. It's like, hey, put, fly, put fire to it. Stubble is a lack of growth in who we were in Christ. That's what that's representative of. But before we, you know, we go into the eternity of the eternities, everything about us is gold, silver, and precious, precious stones. And the precious stones there, if we want to talk about the precious stones, the precious stones are brought out in those types. And we can see even in Satan, when he was Lucifer, all these stones, these revelations of the very nature of God, he was able to walk in. You see that in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, start at verse 15 and go down through. It's amazing. But all those stones we now have. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, which is self-control under the control of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I was just like, uh, I just never heard it before about the completeness of the, the rainbow in yeah. heaven. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's like um, God just revealing his promise being fulfilled. You know, in fullness, to and, us in heaven. And, and, and through the one who, who he fulfilled it through. Yeah. 
Right. And even that goes into Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23. He fills all things through the fullness of his body, us. Isn't it? It's just, wow. it's just that God would do that. Wow. It's just, God, and then he would join with us. That just breaks me when I, that he would join with us and praise his Father for all eternity. God, you want to talk about, what's that? Gosh, God, you want to know how much God loves us, dear Lord. So incredible. Jadiel, you had a a comment Uh, or a question? We understand, like, God's plan before created Adam and Christ bringing on humanity, how um, you were saying that. You were saying that, that God doesn't need us to like, perform, right? Because Christ was the fulfillment of every, of His plan. Therefore, God doesn't need us in performing. We can just receive what He has done. Do you see how the enemy would try to use the performance of the flesh in the believer? Because that's the only place they can perform in. In Romans 8, verse 9. We have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. We're of Christ because the proof is the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He wouldn't dwell in us if we didn't have Christ based upon 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. He just wouldn't. So, the only place we can do is perform. That's what, and the only performance is in the flesh. So Satan would have us to perform that. So what do we miss? What are we doing? What is he doing? He's lowering Christ. He's lowering Christ. Because in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we are saved by what? Grace. What is grace? It's the unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor of God towards completely unworthy objects with nothing in themselves that would draw out that love. God Almighty. We are saved by grace and even through faith, dependence. And who makes us to be dependent on Him? He does. Because when we're not, what do we function in? The flesh. For we are saved by grace through faith, even that not of yourselves, but is the gift, notice what it says, of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Earth, recreated, recreated, his work, us in Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Unto what? Good works, which God has foreordained for you and I to walk in. What are we walking in? In our own individuality. That which we receive of Him who did it in us. And we just simply receive it and walk in it. Now, anyone else have a question or comment? So, wrapping all the way back to your first question, what was God's original plan? It wasn't Adam. It was his son. Of course. It was Christ. I had always been taught that the original plan was Adam. And so whenever you were explaining it, I was so confused. Would there be an Adam without a Christ? You think about it. Would there be an Adam out of Christ? Who formed Adam from the dust of the ground in Genesis 2-7? Who did that? Christ. Christ did. Oh, how do I know that? Well, because 
Christ himself, the word itself says in John 1, 3, the word Christ, the son of God, created all things. They were created by him and for him in Colossians 1 and verse 16. So it was Christ in his pre-incarnate state who formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life, the ability to procreate. Okay, isn't that interesting? Breathed into him the breath of lives. Huh? And now, did he breathe into us a better life when we received Christ? Okay, so when that says that in John 20, 22 and 23, he breathed in his disciples. And that was a type of showing the, the breath of the second birth. What was the first birth? What were we born in in the first birth? Psalm 51 and verse 5. That's right. How about the second? Any sin involved there? Nope. Anything about the old in there? So if it's if it's if it's old and it's and it's if it was old and nothing of the old is brought into the new, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, then who must have done the work? There you go. Christ did it. That's right. He did it, right? And this is awesome. You want to talk about, listen, do you want to talk about be, being loved? Oh my God. I'm going to share on that about, about God's love too and the love that he's given us individually and the love that he's given us for each other even has to do with that little word pros with in John 1, 1 and John 1, 14 bringing in the oneness of that as, a, as, a, as an answer to, to Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17, 11, 21, and 22, oneness. And it's brought out in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, and we want to touch on that uh, hopefully on Sunday night. I mean, I mean uh, Wednesday night, if I'm still able to function that late at night. Because <laughs> that's late for me. <laughs> All right, any other questions or comments before? So, God's original plan was Humanity, for lack of a better word, did the, did the fall of Lucifer interrupt that plan? Well, did it in Genesis 3? Did it interrupt it? Yeah. No, because no, God, Christ is still. There you go. That's right. What, what God starts, He doesn't finish. He finishes. And that's why it's called the finished work. John 19.30 is, yes, he may try through a lie and he may do damage, right? But are we more than conquerors in Romans 8 verse 37 in Christ? And can we ever be separated from the love of Christ in Romans 8 and verse 35? No. So, are we... Uh, we, it makes the statements, I'm the dot, and here's the circle, even more true. Yeah, yeah, it just brings it out. And and all the angels bend low and look. Unfollow them, they're unfollowing the look, and like, oh my God. Because in Genesis 3, verse 8, who was the voice of God walking in the garden? The pre-incarnate Christ. Because isn't, you gotta, you, if you've got a voice, you've got to have a word. And you see the word in John 1, 1? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, siree. And that's what proves it. <laughs> okay, so Father, thank you for this time this, this morning. And thank you for all of us that are available and all of those that uh, uh, can have the opportunity to be able uh, to, to have this, Father, that couldn't be here uh, and to have this. And thank you for the website that we still have up right now, but you're storing it up in our hearts, in our minds, Father. And you're giving us the very means, the very substance with, with which we can even worship you. And, and just be so occupied with you today. So thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.